The name Ashley Michelle may sound very familiar to a lot of the listeners. Ashley has been a guest on the show. She has become a great friend and a number one supporter of Surviving Abuse podcast. After being choked, assaulted, and threatened with a knife, Ashley Michelle spent the next several years trying to deal with the depression, anxiety, and PTSD from her trauma. Turning all of her knowledge into an online course that has helped hundreds of people with a process that has moved them away from any traumatic situation so they can start to live their lives full of happiness and success. Hello everybody, my name is David Keck and this is Surviving Abuse Podcast. Ashley, I, you know how much I love you. I'm so glad you are back today because I, I do want to say that Ashley, like I mentioned, was a guest probably a couple of months ago now, and it was episode 30, Surviving and Inspiring. So if you haven't listened to that, I do recommend doing that. But I had told Ashley, as things change, progress, if there's any news to share, please hit me up and come on. And the other day I got an email that said, hey, I've got some big things happening. Can I come on the show? And I was like, yes, I'm dropping everything and getting you on. So hi, Ashley. Hi, thank you so much for having me on your podcast for the second time. I'm very excited. Yeah, you're so welcome. So I can't wait to learn about what the the big deals and stuff that's happening. But for the listeners, in case there are people that haven't, uh, listen to your show yet. Give us a little summary of your traumatic experience, you know, with that caused the PTSD that has led you down this path that we're going to talk about today. I'm going to go a little further back. So my trauma actually started at childhood um, with my biological parents yelling and fighting and also my biological dad slapping me across the head and calling me effing stupid is where it started and then bullying throughout school. And then when I moved to London in 2010, I found myself in a very toxic relationship that did turn violent. Uh, He did end up cheating on me as well. And then uh, fast forward July, 2016, I was running on a path in broad daylight and was assaulted. And then shortly after that incident happened, I found myself in the middle of a murder scene on August 28, 2016. I got a call from my ex telling me to meet him at the deceased's apartment. So I did blood splattered everywhere in the apartment. The back of my t- 
tank top was covered in blood from just standing at the door. Um, I was thrown sponges. I was told to clean up. I was told if I didn't, I would be killed. Um, I was sexually assaulted. I had a knife pointed on my back telling me this it would be easier. He took me to the body of the deceased and told me that this would be next. He said he was already going away for one count of murder. Why not make it two? And he also, and I didn't think I was getting out of that apartment for a second. However, as twisted as this may sound, I knew that from watching crime shows that I needed to be cool, calm, and collective because I knew if I showed any type of fear, that fear would essentially get me killed. Um, he went to the bathroom for a moment and I ran down 18 flights of stairs only to be shown at the trial that he was seconds away from meeting me in that lobby, ran across the street to a variety store where the guy at the variety store actually didn't let me come in and use his phone. He told me that I needed to use the pay phone. Um, I'll never forget the 911 operator, um, our phone call. And then everyone thinks that it's over then, but we both know you and I, David, and other survivors of crime that that's only the beginning stages. As soon as trial was over, I actually had to fill out more paperwork um, with the parole board and retell my story all over again. And now I get uh, spontaneous parole letters, you know, about his testing scores, et cetera, et cetera. And I always, you know, text the deceased's family first and foremost, because I know it sets me off on edge. And I, I don't want it to be a surprise for them. I want them to know what's what's coming. And my counselor is so gracious that every time I get one of those packages and I message her, she gets me in right away. And we talk about solutions. We talk about strategies. We talk about how I'm feeling. Because, you know, that's the thing. You could be having the most perfect day, the most happiest day ever. And then you get this sudden package and it just, it throws you off entirely. And it, and it takes you back to those horrific moments yeah yeah and and one of the points that you have made that really hits home with me um and you know this because of a conversation you know because of several conversations that we have but when this this kind of situation is not that you can close the book and and the story's over you know it it you, th- there's so many processes to go through that just keeps the dust from settling to where, you know, it's like after my attack, we went through court and in a lot of people's minds, it was done and over with, but that, but that's not the case. There are yeah. so many, there's so many recovery steps that have to be put on hold to face what is in front of you at that time. And then you face a whole new set you know, so so it it doesn't end like people think that it does. Yeah, like me and the deceased's family, we have a life sentence with this individual. We will have to deal with this individual for the rest of our life. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. They, they're so quick to judge and be like, oh, the trial's over, so it's over. That's, like you said, it's only a phase. There's There's different chapters. And these are all the chapters we unfortunately have to go through. Um, I mean, nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to get there. But this is a part of our life now. This is essentially, you know, he's been given a sentence and so have we. Yeah. And so you have written a book. Yes. And and of course, we talked about that a lot in, in the first episode that you did. 
But I feel like that came very quick. Like you were able to accomplish that very quickly. Now, granted, that's easy for me to say because I've never written a book. But in my mind, it takes 10 years of, you know, and it took, what, a year for you? Not even. Uh, it took like a couple months to say at the least. Like I just, oh, wow. I don't know. Like it was really crazy and it was really sudden how it happened. Like I was literally just having a conversation with somebody else who went through a trauma of their own. And she just said that I had so much to share that I should write a book. And I was like, at first it was like a ha ha moment. And then the COVID pandemic happened. And I, I mean, I was still working. I was still attending meetings, but I did have some extra time on my hands. I mean, the gym was closed, you know, it's not like you could go out and do a whole ton of things. So it's crazy that the title actually came to me before even starting writing the book. I knew from having the tattoo on my wrist strength that I knew I wanted to incorporate strength somehow in this, because this is a journey of turning all this pain into strength. So I came up with the title finding strength through tragedy. And then I just had all these ideas. Like I knew I wanted to do a chapter on domestic violence because I've been in those shoes. I knew I wanted to do a chapter on manipulation because I've been in those shoes about the court process, about who I am today, about finding love after tragedy. I, I already had this vision as crazy as that sounds. And it just like, it kind of flowed naturally. I knew the first introduction, I just wanted to fully talk about strength and how we don't really think about strength until we're forced in some traumatic event to really use our strength and find our strength. Yeah. And I love the title that, that you picked for the book. And when I was working on your promos for episode 30, I noticed your tattoo. Tell me, did, did that come from the book? No, actually that came before the trial, the, I think it was even the pre-trial that it, it was shortly after the incident happened. I, I I don't know. I think I was like going through something and I, I caught the word strength. And then I was like, you know what? Like you've gone through a lot in your life, Ashley. Like, and for me, like I didn't want to, like I wanted a lot of word tattoos. My back is actually a word tattoo as well. Um, and I just, I fell in love with the word strength and I was like, I want to get this. So when trial does happen, I want to look down at my tattoo and I want to be reminded that, you know, actually you do have strength. Yeah. I love that. And, and I'm the same way. I actually, and I don't know if I've ever posted a picture of it or not, but on my wrist, I have a tattoo that says believe, and I've actually had it probably like 20 years now, but I, every day it's brand new to me. There's not been one time I've ever regretted it. You know, it's, I got it when it was kind of a joke at first because I, well, the tattoo was not a joke, but I would kind of tell a, a funny story with it because I was a server and a bartender at, at the time. And so I would always tell my friends or other server and bartenders that know those Karens that have to deal with the Karens, right? That every time I went to hand someone their drink or their food that was that was an asshole, I would see on my wrist where it says believe and I would think, okay, I believe that I'm a good server. I believe that you're going to tip me. I believe that I'm going to get through this day. And, and, but, it, but it seems like every time that something happens in my life, I look at this tattoo and it, and it gives it a whole new meaning to me. 
And after my attack, one of the very first songs that I heard is uh, called Stand Back Up. And it's by um, a group called Sugarland. It's a country music group. I love Sugar. Yes. Yes. I love one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Well, there, there is the, so the bathroom kind of became my safe place. I would go into this small room and close myself in and I could see, I knew everything that was happening around me. It just became my safe place. And so I would go in there and I would listen to music and, and the, the universe just happened one day that this song was released at the time that I was going in and into the bathroom and listening to music. And the, the part of this song says, I've been beaten, I've been bruised, and I've been kicked right off my shoes, I but I will that. stand back up. Yeah. And she actually has the same tattoo from a song that she had written. And and it, it, it's just funny to me how the universe can just show you things, right? And so when I was working on your promos and I saw your tattoo that said strength, I was like, I... I want to get that. I want that. Because I, I don't care if I have a million tattoos. I just want someone to be able to pick one of them out and me have a story for that one. I totally agree. And I'm smiling so much right now because the Believe, I sent you a picture of it. Uh, that is exactly what I want on my other arm. Yeah. So yeah. I we, love we, the Believe. Yeah, we should plan it because you're in Canada, but we yes. should plan it to where you go to your tattoo parlor and I go to mine on the same day because I'm yes. getting your friend and you're getting believed. We should plan it that way we're kind of together. Oh my gosh, <laughs> let's totally do that. I love that idea. Yes. Me too. Me too. Luckily with technology and stuff, we can find ways to be together even when yes, we can FaceTime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. So I love the strict that that you have found through this and and everything that you're doing so to lead us up to the main reason we're here today tell us how long did it take you to get active into your mental health after this and and what and and what realizations and path helped lead you down this path of of greatness versus unfortunately you and I know of so many stories where people turn to drugs and alcohol because they're just needing to numb that sting, you know? Yes. So, so tell us your steps on, on the realizations you had that led you down this path and the things that you've done to lead us up to here, because I know I'm not the only podcast that you've done. You've done podcasts, you've done all kinds of different shows, books, like tell us about that journey if you don't mind. Yeah. So it's funny enough, I actually wrote a mental health blog last night, but my mental health definitely took a long time to get to where it was now. Like I was, you know, and I talk about this too in the blog that I wrote last night is that people are so quick to judge and you find out quickly who your true network of support is. Because a lot of times when I first had this happen to me, I was obviously emotionally, mentally, physically, even verbally drained. Um, I'm sure you can relate to that. And so a lot of people will think because you don't want to hang out with them, you're this bitch. And it's like, it's not that I'm trying to push people away or that I don't want to hang out with them. Like when I literally came home from work after this event happened, I just wanted to sleep because I didn't want to sit and I didn't want to deal with my emotions. There were times where I literally cried in public. And most people would be like, that's so embarrassing. But you know what? 
I'm glad I now looking back on it, I'm glad I cried in public because I wasn't escaping from my emotions. Maybe at night I was escaping from them a little bit more because I just wanted to sleep because I was so drained from the day. Did I have a good night's sleep? No, it was very off and on. And then getting up and starting my day, even though I had a work schedule, was so difficult. You know, I now, and I tell this to other people that are going through, you know, depression, anxiety, and PTSD, take it step by step. You know, the first thing you do, you get yourself out of bed, put on your slippers, make your bed, brush your teeth, look at it as a step by step process. You know, if it's minute by minute for you, then that's how it needs to be. If it's hour by hour, if it's day by day for you, take it slow and steady. Don't rush your mental health recovery. Remember, it's okay not to be okay. There's nothing wrong with mental. You know what? I'm proud that I have PTSD, anxiety, and depression. And I talked about that last night in my blog too. Like, I'm not embarrassed. Like now I'm glad that I have it because it's given me awareness to be able to be that relatable teaching tool to other people. I now can say, I know what anxiety is. I know what depression is. I know what PTSD is. So I think it was like November 20. uh, Yeah, it was November, 2016. That's when I started taking a second job at Good Life, started coming back to that. And then I was like, you know what? You're working two jobs now, get back into working out two to three times a day. So I slowly started adding more and more to my schedule at my own pace, not being forced to it. And keep in mind too, I was in counseling. So I was taking care of myself through counseling. Then I was taking care of myself by slowly adding things back into my life. Because if you just add everything back into your life, you're going to be overwhelmed. And then you're going to take steps backwards. You want to go at your own pace and not be forced to do anything that you're not ready to do because it will set you backwards. Well, and and a couple of comments that I have on that is you said that sometimes at night or when you would get home, you would go to sleep and maybe, you know, that wasn't, you know, that the healthiest thing to necessarily do. I can't remember exactly the words that you used, but uh, escape, I think you were saying, you were talking about, you know, escaping it. But this is what my doctor told me, because I kind of felt the same thing. I was like, when I go to work, I do my shift, but I come home and I sleep. If I have the day off, I sleep. And absolutely, that is a sign of depression. But my doctor said, David, with what you have been through and where you are physically, mentally, emotionally, by the time that your alarm clock goes off in the mornings, you get out of bed, you pick out the clothes that you're going to wear, you shower, and you get in your car and start your car. By the time that I started my car, my doctor was saying that my body felt like I already had an eight-hour day to then go and have an eight-hour shift. So so I, I feel like when you were saying escape by sleeping, I think that that does play a factor. But you're, you have already been through double hours in the day that everyone else in a quote unquote perfect world would have been through, you know? So, so your body felt like it was time to go to bed. Absolutely. It did. Absolutely. It did. It was exhausting on every single level. Like even just getting up in the morning, yeah, it was 
it was exhausting just showering and, and doing all those things. And then by the time I got home, like I was just done. Yeah. But I do feel like it was a form of me not wanting to think about things. It was, you know, I could have easily went to the gym, but I, I wasn't ready to, for that. I wasn't ready to face people. You know, I was this bubbly and I, and I get this now too. Oh, like that stuff can't happen. You're a bubbly, friendly, outgoing person. Like there's no way that this stuff can happen to you. And it, you know, that's the thing with trauma is it doesn't care if you're middle class. It doesn't care if you're upper class. It doesn't care if you're poor or rich or how old you are. Trauma can happen to anyone at any age. Unfortunately, that's the reality of it. And the reason that I started this was really, this is what pulled on, on my heartstrings for me to start doing these projects wasn't because somebody forced my hand in it or because I wanted, you know, some type of pity. It was because that I, I would truly love to say to you that what happened to me was just an absolute situation, but this is a worldwide epidemic. Every single day, there are survivors and witnesses of crime. And not only that, when the police first interviewed me, they didn't pop up and ask me what happened right away. They said, can you make us a promise that you won't turn to the streets for drugs, prostitution, etc." And the fact that that's the first words out of their mouth tells me how high the statistics are for people turning to that negative resolution, which is not a, a resolution at all. It is like, it's an escape. It's a temporary fix. It's a, it's a band-aid fix. And it could lead them down to the, their death, essentially. Right. You know, right. it takes seconds to overdose. And so I couldn't sit with that. And, you know, I was 24 when the incident happened, but I couldn't imagine this being an eight-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old whose brains hadn't even fully developed yet. Yeah. I And you know what? Guess what happened to me was horrible, but I always think that there's somebody else going through way more. And especially at those early ages when their brains they're still developing in, in who they are and every, they're not even aware of who they are yet. And some horrific trauma or event has to happen to them. I have to be the voice of change now. I have to be the voice of reason. And I know that if rules were reversed right now, the deceased would be sitting here having this conversation with you, right? Because him and I were very similar. We would give the shirts off our back for anyone. We had a very similar goal where we wanted to help people. And now there's a fund in his name where even though he's not here, he's still helping people. And I, and I think that is so wonderful that his parents put together this foundation and, you know, they're growing um, plants right now, like um, lettuce plants and, and fresh vegetable plants. And they're giving them to like different homeless shelters and they're helping to put the food on a plate for homeless people, for people that can, maybe can't afford food. And I think it is wonderful that his memory is still being kept alive. I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think me doing these podcasts and me releasing a course and me releasing a book is my way too of, you know, sharing his passion and sharing his creativity. Because like I said, he'd be doing similar stuff. So I feel like a part of me lives on through him. The part that wants to help other people and see other people succeed. We both have that same trait, that same common goal. 
I love that. And if you have any information that you can share with us where we can maybe, you know, donate, I would, I would love that. Thank you so much. I I'll definitely share the website with you. Yeah. I would love that. I would love to uh, have the listeners because I mean, if we've got thousands and thousands of listeners and they all gave a dollar, you know, that, that could be life changing for someone that that's hungry, you know, or for a family. There was a comment that you made that I really liked and it was that it's okay to not be okay. And after you made that comment, we, uh, you started talking about how you don't hate the fact that you have PTSD and, and here's my opinion on this. And, and I would like to know what you think. I think that Everyone has PTSD of some sort, regardless of how big or little it is. It's it, it, it's just some people have the ability to recognize it and to change it, and, and you're one of those. I think that we all have some sort of PTSD, but, you know, like I've even talked to people that was like, actually had uh, some friends over yesterday and one of them was talking to me about how she has recently got into therapy. And when she first was with her therapist, she said the therapist mentioned um, the word abuse and she said, I've never been hit. And the therapist said, that's not the only form of abuse. So the fact that there are still people that think that someone has to physically touch you to abuse you, shows me that so there's everyone has a form of abuse that they just don't even know is abuse. And, and sometimes even abusers might not even know that they're abusing. It's because we're victims of our environment. And, and when you're right, you know, we're, we're all as good as our teachers. Right. And, and that's where like the generational abuse comes into, yeah. into play. So, so what, what, what are your thoughts on that? I totally agree with you. I think that people sometimes think that it's just like the black eye and stuff like that. But I think the emotional scars can play an everlasting imprint on you. And sometimes they can be more damaging than those physical scars. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I even wrote a blog on it, like saying words hurt. Words are, are so powerful and can be so damaging. Like I was told to shut the F up. I was told that what is the purpose of me living? Like I, what I'm just going to be a nanny for the rest of my life. Like I have no sole purpose in life is what I essentially was told. And you know, those play huge. They even play. I, I wish they didn't, but I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you I'm perfection. Sometimes they do play a role in my relationship that I am today. I mean, I know that my boyfriend currently is not will or anything like that. But however, I still have those issues. Like, am I enough for this individual? Am I worthy enough to be in this relationship? Those are things that I tend to struggle with. And sometimes I do self-sabotage. I will sit here and tell you, I am not the most easy person to be in a relationship with. I come with baggage too. I have an ex that I have to deal with for the rest of my life. And I don't even have kids with this individual. And so I definitely think that I don't let what happened consume my life. But I think sometimes there's those triggering events that that come up in your mind. 
and you just, for some reason you self-sabotage or you, you overthink and you think that, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve this. I'm, you know, I, why should I be this happy right now when somebody else's life was taken as a result? You know, sometimes it's hard not to think that way when anniversaries pop up and, and memories pop up. It's hard to think that you deserve something so beautiful. And, and that's why too, like I designed this course was to help you find who you are and to know that you are worthy of love and kindness and affection, but all that stuff takes time. You know, there's not going to be days where you're like a hundred percent all the time. There's going to be moments where you struggle. And that's where, you know, yes, a relationship is a hundred and a hundred percent. It's not 50 and 50, but it's a hundred and hundred. And sometimes, you know, myself, if I'm having a bad day, for instance, he might be putting in more of the effort. And if I, vice versa, if he's having a bad day, I might need to put more into that effort. And sometimes that's okay. And that's what I mean, that it's okay not to be okay. As long as you're acknowledging those feelings and communicating with your partner or whomever you're in that relationship with and acknowledging, okay, this is what I need to work on. I know that I'm having a bad day. How can we fix this? How can we do better? And I I really think that that's vital in a healthy relationship. And I also think too, and I, I discussed this before in our last podcast, but I have this chart, this positivity chart on my fridge where we write comments down to, you know, gain confidence in one another, to gain confidence in us as a couple. That's what I really want is I want us to put a positive spin on each other and not always, oh, I'm a failure for this, or I did this wrong or vice versa. I want us to build each other up because that's what a relationship should be and should look like. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this would be a good time for you to tell us about your course and real excited about it. You and I have already had a conversation about it. I think it's brilliantly done. The gentleman that you're working with has also been a guest on, on the show, Sunil, and, and he's just brilliant. I, I love that man. You know, I, me too. Me too. I, I do. I do. And, and I met him through you and I was a guest on his show and he was a guest on mine and just the insight that he has on things has just really impacted me. So when I found that you two were working together on this course, I was like, God, two brilliant minds together, you know? So, oh, so, so yeah. So tell us um, all the, all the goods. Yeah. So it's called healing from trauma, um, which can be found on my website, ashleyinspires.com. And it focuses on fear, emotions, surroundings, and relationships. And it is designated for solely you. It's about taking that extra time to, and it's not selfish. Uh, Let me be clear. Self-care is not selfish. In order to properly heal from your trauma, that's what you should be taking a closer look on and self-reflecting on. Okay, what are my fears? What are the action steps that I need to take in order to overcome those fears? What are my surroundings? What environments are a trigger for me? How can I get through those triggers? 
then the emotions talks about what I've talked about before is you have to be willing to feel everything you need to feel. Was it embarrassing that I cried in, in public at times? Absolutely. But at least I wasn't holding it in or holding it back. You know, I know people that just, you know, get busy doing other stuff in their lives and don't really engage in their emotions. And you cannot take care of other people unless you take care of yourself. You need to put yourself as a priority first and foremost. You need to overcome that healing. You'll never get over your trauma, but you can and you will get through it. But it's up to you. You're in charge of your life. You get to define how you want to live it. And then the relationships. I think relationships are huge in overcoming your trauma, in getting through the healing stages. For me, I had to really self-evaluate. I had to sit there and really reflect on, okay, who are the negative people in my life that are not serving my purpose and only bringing me down? Who are the positive people in my life that are serving a great purpose and that are bringing me up and building up that confidence, building up that motivation. Those are the people you want to keep in your life. The people that are going to support you, that you can count on, that are trustworthy, that are honest, that are devoted to helping you heal in your recovery process. You need love, support, kindness, empathy, compassion. You don't need people that are going to drag you down. And I don't care if they're blood related or not. I have had to reevaluate my life entirely. And I had to take out blood related family members because it was no longer serving my purpose. It was only bringing me down. And I did not have any more room to be built down. I needed things in my life that were going to be positive, meaningful interactions that were going to help me overcome my struggles, my challenges, my obstacles. I needed to put myself in the driver's seat and I needed to solely focus on me and who I was going to give my energy to. You know, and I think it comes with the law of attraction too. You know, what you put out there is what you're going to get back. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really dive into that in the relationship course I give my own personal examples you know I I talk about boyfriends I talk about family I talk about all the different even co-workers you know I had co-workers that literally brought me down that were so judgmental that were like oh you didn't see this coming like nobody should ever say that to anybody I don't care if you haven't been through trauma or not words hurt think before really that simple Because something like that could set a 15-year-old right into the streets if you say a negative comment. Words are very, very powerful. I agree. I agree. I am very excited for this new journey with you and this course. And I even want to check it out myself. And so we'll definitely have you back to to fill us in on it. And as things um, progress... So I will, of course, be posting all the links and everything for people to to reach out to you. And, and you know, I, for a while now, have been sharing some blogs that you've done. And, and of course, I read all of them. I, I just, I, I love what you're doing. I love who you are. I love how you're turning something so 
horrific into something so beautiful and that that you're choosing to do that I could say the exact same thing for you like what you're doing is incredible you're helping so many people by giving them this and providing them with this amazing platform to be able to share their stories you are touching so many lives and inspiring so many people and you are courageous enough to share your own story I I think the world needs more people like you in it Oh, that is such a nice way to start my day. Thank you. (laughs) I mean it. I love everything that you do. You know, you can really tell that your heart is in it. Oh, well, thank you, Ashley. And, and right back at you. I'm, I'm so glad the universe brought us, you know, together. And so what do you think your next step is going to be? Like what, what I love about you is, there's no finish line for you. You know, it's okay. What's next? What's next? What am I going to do next? So, so where are you at with that? I know that this course is still fairly new, but I, I know how your brain works. And it's, <laughs> I know that you've already got got the wheels turning on something else. So what, 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 where do you see yourself a year from now? I would love to get into public speaking, like even just talking at high schools or, you know, anywhere, just, talking and opening I'd even at a book club like just like sharing my story with other people as as much as I can and just get that out there you know get the story out there get the healing out there you know I want to turn so much stuff around you know what still plays a huge imprint too is I hated I hated the word victim I don't think that anyone is a victim. And I think that that tends to bring some people down using the language that is used. I think that, you know, people that go through something so traumatic and so horrific have courage. They are brave. They are warriors. They are champions. They are survivors. I think that that's who they are. And and that's another message that I really want to get out there is really spinning that negative word into something positive and beautiful that's going to uplift someone and make them feel like the hero that they are. That's what I want someone to take away. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that we've had this conversation before, but I struggled with finding a name for my podcast. You know, it's, this is my baby, right? So it's like naming a child, you know, and and I just, I didn't, the, the word victim, I have an issue with, but I also struggled with the word survivor because I felt like that meant that the journey was over and, and it's not, you know, and, and that's kind of why I went with the word surviving because it's never completely over each day. I'm having to learn a new way to survive. I'm finding a new trigger. I'm having to find a different way to cope because even though I am relearning, well, or not even relearning, but even though I'm learning a new David after my attack, I am having to reteach myself and relearn how to deal and cope with things. Right. And so, so when the triggers were all brand new, I didn't know how to deal with them. And I've cried in public. I've shown my ass in places or to people that didn't deserve it because I was having to 
reteach myself and to relearn. And so I just felt like the word survivor was so finalized as if that was over for me. And, and that's why I picked the word surviving abuse because the abuse still isn't over. I'm able to still, I'm able to now control it a different, differently. And it, yes. And, and I'm surviving each day with what I'm learning and the steps I'm learning on how to deal with the new David. You know what I think when I think of the word survivor, this is really odd, but I think of the Reba show and yes. And like, I'm a, yeah, like that's, I love that song by her. And I've probably shared that in some of my TikTok videos as well. Um, the survivor song like for me that's just like volumes into who I am and and where I've come in my journey I don't know like that song just really plays on my heartstrings same same you always know the way to my heart is meant to read the thing <laughs> right there <laughs> well as soon as we started talking about it that's like like king the lady yeah absolutely and the 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 last thing I want to say about that as far as my stance on it is I I was talking about what the word survivor and surviving meant to me. But what I also want to make clear is those are what those words, the victim, the word victim, the word survivor and the word surviving. Those were also words that can have several different meanings and that are continuing to change throughout my recovery. You know, it's not that this is going to be the one track mind that I always have. Those were just the ways that that word at those times were affecting yeah. me and that's okay that was your timeline yeah absolutely and so if we've learned anything from today's episode is that reba is like i've always said the queen and Miss ashley is right behind her i am so glad you're part of my life and you you help me more than than you ever know that you have and and we'll continue to do so. I know that you and everyone else knows the drill. I will place all the links, all the things on the social medias where they can reach out to you and, and you know, check out your posts at your blogs and your course. I'm very proud of you, Ashley. Uh, likewise, right back at you. I'm so proud of you and everything that you're doing to help inspire, help motivate, help change lives. Like you are enriching lives daily. And I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for everything you have done to support me and everything that you've done to support everybody else who's going through similar circumstances. Because as we both know and have discussed, this is a worldwide epidemic. I, you know, it's not just an Ashley and, and David thing, like it happens every day. And that's just something that doesn't sit well with either one of us. So I'm so glad that, you know, we're changing lives together and making this world a better place one step at a time. Absolutely. Before we head out, tell us where you, we can find you. You can find me at ashleyinspires.com is where you can purchase my book and also purchase my course, which also comes with a free ebook. Um, so it can definitely, you can relate uh, some of the chapters to some of your reflections. Secondly, you can find me Ashley Inspires TikTok, my group on Facebook, Finding Strength Through Tragedy, and also like my page, Ashley Inspires on Facebook. And uh, Ashley inspires too on Instagram. Perfect, Ashley. Thank you so much for being here. And we will talk soon.